Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live, Duluth Edition, coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, on the St. James campus of Stella Maris Academy. I am your host, Father Richard Kuntz, along with my co-host, Cindy Jennings. And we are very happy to be with you this morning, this beautiful spring morning of the Easter season, and let us begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us during this show of Real Presence Live. We pray that you may guide our the hosts as well as our guests, but mostly the listeners, that they may truly hear of your great love for them throughout this telecast, throughout this broadcast. We ask this through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Father. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Um... You know, Easter's, the busyness of Easter's kind of stopped. How are you doing? It has, it has for me. I'm, uh, I'm doing well. I mean, we still have uh, confirmation, which is going to happen tomorrow, and our first guest is going to be able to talk about that if he wants to. But uh, And so it's like, for, for, for me, Easter is, yes, the you know the busyness of Lent and the uh, Holy Week comes to a, uh, it, it slows down, but there's still First Communion and confirmation. It's always kind of there. And we had First Communion this past Sunday, which was good, and uh and now tomorrow here, at least in our parishes, we're going to have uh, uh, conf- confirmation. It was a beautiful mass, beautiful kids, like everything for, was back to normal. It communion. was so beautiful. That's right. It was, our, it was our first regular first communion in three years because of COVID. Isn't that crazy? I'm going to just go ahead and tell you I was a little upset with your homily. Oh, yeah? Why was Because that? you were planting the seed that were almost to shorting, shortening of the days. Oh, I know. I said that to be <laughs> And funny. it made me so sad. Yep. Well, now I've been thinking about next it. Next month, so the, thank days, you for that. the days already get shorter next month. Isn't that great? <laughs> you know, we have our, I think we have our um, uh, first guest on the air, Bishop Felton. Are you there? I am here. Welcome. Happy and, uh, Easter. Happy Lord Easter. Happy Easter. Hallelujah. Ex- hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. How was your Easter? Uh, my Easter was, was great. Um, you know, after 40 years of being a priest... Um, I pretty much had the triduum down. It takes a while um, with the many uh, beautiful things in, in the liturgy that happen uh, during that course of time. But of course, uh, being a bishop for my first year, it was almost being reintroduced to the uh, to the liturgies in terms of miter off, miter on, miter off, <laughs> exactly staff in hand, staff hand and off. So, but everything went uh, very well. They were uh, beautiful liturgies, and it's always an incredible time of the year. Uh, hello. Uh, so, what I was wondering is, why do we celebrate the joy of Easter for fifty days? Can well, first of all, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, the mystery that unfolds before us in terms of what Easter is all about—it's um, a life changer. So, you know, Jesus Christ is victorious. Jesus Christ has won. Jesus Christ has defeated the devil, and from that time forward, that's the hope, that's the life, that's the joy that we have. And so even to begin to understand that, you know, takes us 50 days. Um, And in the course of that 50 days, we just keep reflecting upon that, we keep celebrating that, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But, you know, that leads us to Pentecost, and of course, Pente means 50, 
like uh, Pente means like the Pentagon is five-sided. But the Feast of Pentecost would be the 50 days um, that we celebrate that according to the scriptures. And uh, but we're, we're to be a, a people of Easter joy uh, during that period of time. And our joy is that Jesus Christ is victorious. And now what does that mean for the way that I'm going to go about living my life? Well, so um, uh, maybe speak about what, you know, can you speak a little bit in regards to Paschal mystery and what those words actually mean? Yeah, so, so I think that, uh, you know, the Paschal mystery that we celebrate and we hear in the Eucharistic prayer uh, so often during the Easter season uh, as a preface and so forth, you know, it's just a reminder that Jesus Christ lived, Jesus Christ died, and Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's the heart and the core of everything that we are about as Catholics. Um, that sums it up. And then everything else that we be and everything else that we do is built on that foundation. And so I think it's really important to embrace the whole uh, Paschal mystery, though, because we can never fully comprehend it. It's so deep, it's so wide, it's so high. But we're constantly immersing ourselves into that mystery to understand it even more deeply. And so the way that we go, Jesus Christ lived. Jesus Christ came into this world to show how we should live our lives. And so we seek to be his disciples, we seek to allow him to be our teacher, and we seek to follow his ways. That's part of the the Paschal mystery that we're living, um, and we continue to embody in our own time. And then Jesus Christ died, he suffered and died, you know, on the cross. And I think we never have to lose, we can't lose sight of that, because in moments and times in our own lives when we're carrying the cross, moments and times in our life when we're hurting or we're suffering, facing hardships, you know, that that's part of the Paschal mystery, you know, and even Jesus himself experienced that. Um, and he embraced that as deeply as we suffer. He suffered to the heart and core of the depth of suffering. But what we have to remember in the Paschal mystery is that he rises again. And so in the end, you know, death is defeated, darkness is defeated, despair is defeated, hatred is defeated. Um, by his victory on the cross, and we can never lose sight of that as well. Ninety times in the uh, New Testament, the Gospels, um, Jesus says the the reign of God is at hand, uh, repent and believe the good news. So he ushered in the fullness of the reign of God. He has been victorious. The battle has been won. And so the reign of God is so close to us in the person of Jesus Christ, and though we live it, it's at hand. We can touch it, we can embrace it, we can feel it, we can know it, uh, we can reach out to grasp it. And so we find ourselves saying, well, if the victory has been won, why does it still seem like there's a battle going on? Well, that has to do with repent. It's because we continue to sin and to give in to the devil, because we really don't believe the victory has been won in Jesus Christ. And so we turn away from him, and the minute we turn away from the victor, we find ourselves falling, and uh, falling into sin. And so, you know, a part of the rejoicing in the Easter season and even Divine Mercy Sunday following Easter Sunday is just to remind us, even in our joy, we are constantly repenting to be one with Christ and to turn away from the devil. But the last part of what Jesus said is, you got to believe this good news. And that's, I think, a, a real challenge for us. You know, we have Easter Sunday, and when Easter is done, and we think, okay, we got Easter over, what's the next thing? Mother's Day. And that's too bad, because, you know, we are called to be a people of Easter joy, not only for 50 days, but mm-hmm. the way that we live our lives. 
Yeah, Bishop, I was saying uh, at the very beginning of the show, the broadcast this morning, is that for priests, Lent is like a really busy time. But I suspect, as a new bishop, you're realizing that Easter is your busy time because this is the era, this is the time of the year for confirmations, isn't it? Right. So, so the Church, in her wisdom, says, "I know my people are going to have a hard time sustaining that joy for 50 days." You know, we kind of have a hallmark mentality. You know, as soon as Easter's done, the cards come off. The next set of cards go in. Um, so the church says, all right, I'm going to help you uh, to be able to do that. So, you know, when the jelly beans are down to the black beans that nobody really likes, <laughs> except for people that are a little strange, and when the Easter bunnies have been consumed and the Easter eggs are gone, um, so the church says, hey, don't worry about it. So as you were mentioning, uh, as I was coming to join you, uh, we have First Communions going on all over the place. And you talk about joy. Uh, I'm running into... Uh, young uh, children who are receiving their First Communion as I'm out uh, visiting parishes and doing confirmation. And if, if we could have the joy that they have in their hearts and receiving the body of Jesus Christ uh, to retain that for a lifetime, it would be incredible. But we've got uh, confirmations going on. You know, we have marriages going on. We have a bunch of baptisms going on during this time of the year. And the sacramental life of the Church is just shouting, you know, joy, Jesus Christ is victorious. Jesus Christ lived, he died, but he's risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And then, then we celebrate the great feast of Pentecost, which is, you know, next to uh, Easter, probably the biggest second uh, day even before Christmas, you know, Pentecost, the sending of the Holy Spirit. And then right after that, we celebrate um, the solemnity of the Holy Trinity, you know, uh, the love of the Father for the Son, and the Son for the Father, the Holy Spirit. And then we're into the feast of Corpus Christi. So the Church just sustains us with all kinds of sacramental celebrations and liturgical celebrations uh, during these 50 days. And even, Bishop, even yes, go ahead. No, we have a brand new feast day, too, right after Pentecost, don't we? Isn't it the Mater, uh, Mater Day or Mater Ecclesia, Feast of Mary, Mother of the Church? Isn't that Monday after Pentecost? So it's Monday after Pentecost as we celebrate that and we embrace her, you know, as that. You know, so again, there's just all kinds of feasts. And then... Um, even even nature around us, which is a part of God's creation, even though, you know, you're the uh, Debbie Downer who comes and says that days are going to get shorter. But the fact of the matter is that, that you know, we've got, you know, we move into springtime and there's the greening of the trees that are around us. The tulips come up, you know, the daffodils are blossoming. And so all of creation just kind of bursts uh, at Easter time and sustains us uh, in a beautiful way uh, through the uh, Feast of Pentecost and the 50 days that we celebrate this Easter. Right, and another big thing we have, at least in our, um, at least in this school here at um, uh, Salamaris, is that we have the May crowning. That'll be tomorrow, so that's another illustration of life and how Mary is the, you know, I mean, this is her month, the month of May, and the children will crown our statue of Mary, and that's always a a big thing we always do at the Sunday after, or the Wednesday after First Communion, and the First Communicants come up and lay roses on the statue. Right. And so, so kind of what, what we need to do um, in our evangelizing and in our calling people to discipleship is to see all of these feasts and everything that I just mentioned is built on the foundation of the Paschal Mystery unfolding before our very eyes, that Jesus Christ lived, Jesus Christ died, Jesus Christ rose uh, from the dead. You, uh, you, find, you must find yourself busier, or this is a question, do you find yourself busier because of Confirmation during the Easter season? Than during the season of Lent, um, you know, I am out. Uh, you know, during the week, you know, on weekends, I'm usually uh, 
out in the parishes anyway. So this is kind of a a double dip in that I get to be with the parishioners and being a parish and then also celebration uh, confirmation. So uh, this past weekend, it was great. I was up in uh, Ely for a confirmation and then in Crosby and I was in Chisholm and Hibbing. And so just moving around the diocese, uh, being able to celebrate that great sacrament. And again, to see the joy um, of those that are being confirmed in the Holy Spirit and speaking about that, you know, that power of the Holy Spirit to come to us as the one who stands at our side, the one who guides us, uh, the one who intercedes for us in prayer. I mean, just powerful moments of all that we celebrate in the victory of Jesus Christ at Easter. Bishop, can you speak a little bit to how your Easter differed personally? I mean, I'm assuming that in the past you were able to spend some time with family. Maybe you did this year as well. But as a new bishop, first Easter as a bishop, how how'd that differ for you personally? Well, well, uh, actually, it uh, was somewhat similar, but a little bit different. So, uh, obviously, I was able to celebrate the the Triduum, as I mentioned, at the cathedral. Uh, great celebrations. And then on Easter Sunday morning, um, I celebrated uh, Easter Mass at the prison in Sandstone. Mm. And so that was a great opportunity to be with the residents that are there. Uh, Jesus Christ came to save all of us, and uh, we had a great celebration. And then, actually, I was able to get home then uh, after the Mass uh, in Sandstone and spent uh, uh, the Monday and Tuesday uh, with my uh, with my mom and with my family. So that that was very nice. And then I came back and uh, continued to celebrate the Easter season uh, with confirmations following immediately um, after that. Oh, that's great. We're talking to Bishop Daniel Felton from the Diocese of Duluth, and we'll continue this conversation immediately after this brief break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. 
I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thank you very much for joining us on Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunz along with Cindy Jennings. We are coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. And speaking of Duluth, our um, guest has been for the last 15 minutes, Bishop Daniel Felton of our diocese. And, and we've been talking about the Paschal Mystery, about Easter, the celebration of 50 days. And and it, in almost all dioceses, uh, the Easter season and the springtime can co- coincide with um, the whole idea of priest assignments and, and change of assignments, new assignments. And maybe Bishop uh, Felton, you, you can speak a little bit about that and how it worked in our diocese and, and just speak about what it's like um, for priests to experience new assignments. And you're still in your first year of your new assignment, so it's very fresh in your mind as well. Thanks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, as we were talking about the Paschal Mystery uh, in the earlier part of the, the program, this is also part of the Paschal Mystery unfolding, so I don't think it's by chance that announcements usually are made during the 50 days of Easter in every diocese of what the changes are going to be of priest assignments. Um, and, you know, as we live our lives as disciples of the Lord, um, priests, you know, are called to follow uh, in His footsteps and to become like Him in all ways. And, of course, Jesus, you know, was always committed to the call of the Father and the Holy Spirit, um, as he lived his life, and so a priest is called to that same spirit and to the call of the Father in that spirit. Um, but there also is an element of, of the cross in all of that, because a lot of times uh, as we seek to serve, uh, because we've come into this world not to be served but to serve, it can be you know hard for the uh, priest himself as he leaves a parish community and for the parishioners. Um, that uh, a priest gives of himself to, to love his people, to love his flock, the flock uh, follows the priest as, you know, an expression of Christ and the love of Jesus. And so any change uh, of assignment uh, in, in a very human kind of way and spiritual kind of way, you know, it also has the elements of, of that uh, cross that's, you know, the, the cross of a little bit of hardship and, and suffering um, to be able to leave uh, people. But then again, the cross is a sign of joy and new life and resurrection and so as a priest moves on to a new parish community, it's always a renewal for them uh, by a new priest coming to be with them. And so it's a welcoming moment. It's a moment of hospitality. And a, I think always a moment of rejuvenation and a representation of the mission uh, of that particular uh, parish. So it's, it's part of the, the Paschal mystery. It's part of the Easter season. But there's a very human part uh, to being called and to being moved, both for parishioners uh, and for priests. 
I, I remember a, a number of years ago when I was, what I thought was uh, moved um, prematurely from an assignment I'd only been to for a few years, and I was really struggling with it. And I remember the, the bishop at the time saying, he quoted St. Paul saying, I'm being poured out like a libation, and we priests were for the people, you know, we're not for ourselves. And, and the new assignment thing is very difficult for priests, at least for some priests anyhow, and, and like you were saying, Bishop, and, and it's one of the hardest things I've experienced in my priesthood to, because, you know, the priest gives their entire self to that parish, and so to have everything uprooted like that is very, very difficult. But as you mentioned, followed up by a, a, a new hope and a new beginning with that, that new assignment. But it can be very difficult for, for priests on the human level. Right. And I think for parishioners, you know, as well, and just to acknowledge that. And so for leaving a parish community, for priests to be attentive, I know it's kind of a, a grieving uh, that many times can take place and all the stuff that grieving involves, both for the priest and for the people. So to accompany each other, to support each other, to be with each other through those transitions um, is a really important thing. And, and I think uh, that's why I'm bringing it up today as part of the Paschal Mystery, part of the Easter season, but just so that we can be attentive to each other and support one another uh, in the midst of the transitions. I know Father made a good point about, you know, just struggling with that. And as your flock, we struggle with it too. Mm-hmm. I know I was very upset when and this is back in my younger years, but I was like, the priest is leaving. Like, I love him so much. And it just took everything out of me. And the priest is like, no, you have to follow. You have to stay with your priest in your parish. And um, and so that, that, that voice, like, just stuck with me. And then I say that to anybody else that complains about things. But we stuck through it. And then we ended up in a parish where he was at. So... Uh, in the long run, we were we ended up back together, which was great. Is there anything yeah. for the flock to make it easier for the priest? Well, you know, I think a, a couple of things that, you know, are part of this, which are important and somewhat renewing and refreshing, is that um, we have to understand that a, a priest is ordained for his diocese, not for a particular parish. And the priests, at least here in the Diocese of Duluth, are very good. Every year I send out a letter around December um, asking the priest, uh, do they would their preference be to stay where they are, or are they open to a move? And you know, so many times priests will just write on the form. Um, I took a vow of obedience to you, Bishop. So wherever you see the Spirit calling me and want to put me, uh, place me there. And so it's just a reminder that we're not ordained for a particular parish. We're ordained as diocesan priests to do parish ministry. There's no doubt about that. That's the heart and core of who we are but we're ordained for the diocese. But even more importantly, we're ordained for and in Jesus Christ. And I think it's important for the priest uh, to remember that, as well as the parishioners, um, that, you know, sometimes, you know, people will almost, because the priest is the embodiment and the expression as best as they can be, of the real presence of Jesus in so many ways, but we begin to identify almost the parish priest being more important than Jesus himself. And so when a transition is made, even of a priest that we love, the one thing that always remains the same and never changes is the real presence of Jesus Christ at the heart and core of that parish community. So I think it sometimes it just affords us to remember that and to re-embrace that as uh, kind of centered to our own spiritual life, but also to the life of a parish. Have you, uh, well, I know you haven't been doing this long, but have you put a priest in a parish that you had to change around because maybe the priest didn't go with the parish very well? 
you know, have, there can has be that moments, ever happened? Yeah, there can be moments and times when over a period of time in the realness of human life lived in the divine, um, you know, that perhaps there's not a good alignment and, and sometimes just not a good fit. Um, and so, you know, when that happens, then first of all, we take it to the Holy Spirit um, just to say what what are you calling us to? What do you want us to be here? It might be a moment of reconciliation. It might be a moment of healing, or it might be an acknowledgement that the Spirit is calling that priest and that community to uh, something else. And so there are instances then uh, when we may make a change, but it's certainly not based on, you know, uh, the popularity of the pastor as much as trying to discern the, the alignment of that pastor and that parish to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is calling us to. Bishop, we're coming up on um, coming up on your first anniversary as a as a bishop. Yes, and it's maybe, gone you fast. Can, maybe you can speak a little bit about that. How you what you're reflecting your first year and what how do you envision things moving forward? Yeah, yeah, I can't I can't believe uh, how fast the year has gone. Um, and certainly it's been a year of firsts, uh, just about everything I be and everything I do is the first time as a bishop. So I'm looking forward to a second year where I have a little better idea uh, of what uh, and how to be and how to do uh, being a bishop in the diocese. But the first year, uh, because I came here from the Diocese of Green Bay, where I had been a priest for 40 years, and I really didn't know anyone, uh, just has been a great time to get out and to meet as many people around the diocese and to visit as many parishes as I possibly can. And so uh, this past weekend, I put on 31,000, uh, turned 31,000 on my vehicle. Um, and so I've been uh, out and about, and it's been wonderful. And then just to uh, get to know, uh, to love, and to form a, a relationship of trust um, and credibility with our priests in the diocese. You know, that's been very important to me, and we have great priests, um, and so I, I really have enjoyed not only getting to know them, but also ministering in our diocese with them, and I look forward to continuing to support them in the days that are ahead. So that's kind of been the first year and a very practical base, just to get to know uh, our priests and to get to know our people. In the second year, you know, I think having traveled around and kind of done a lot of listening, and we had over uh, 60 listening sessions, uh, Let's Listen sessions in our diocese, um, you know, I've heard the people saying, you know, we're kind of stepping out into a, a moment of renewal, maybe a, a kind of a dawning moment of a new beginning. And so I think we're going to discern what the Holy Spirit is calling us to and kind of move into um, a representation of our mission, mobilizing to that mission. Um, with a strong sense of the vision that the Holy Spirit has for us. So I'm looking forward to, to doing that in the second year. Um, with that, you in this year, can you tell me like what you found to be kind of shocking or maybe negative that you didn't expect when you became bishop, and then maybe something positive that you didn't really, like something that surprised you? Well, I, I think that it, it wasn't shocking, but certainly it became very concrete and real, um, through our Let's Listen sessions, and even as I've been moving around, I mean, there's there's a lot of hurt uh, these days um, caused by multiple things, but, you know, in our own individual lives and families, in the life of the communities in which we live, and there's just a need and a cry for some experience of healing, and, you know, so it's not so much a negative as the reality of the depth of pain and hurt 
that people are experiencing this day coming out of the pandemic and, and uh, you know, gasoline prices going up and inflation and, I mean, all the things that, that just are part of everyday life. But it certainly seems that there's a need for healing, and I think that, you know, we really need to, to take a look at that. And a need for joy. Um, you know, a while ago I was uh, did some focus groups of folks that are not connected uh, formally to any kind of uh, religion or church. And the one thing that they said they would be looking for if they were to explore a faith community was joy, that they're just looking for joy in their life and they don't know where they can find it. And so I just keep asking myself the question, am I a joyful person? Um, people who are disciples of Jesus, are, are, do we present ourselves as being joyful in our parishes? Would that be one of the words someone would use to describe our parish if they walked in and didn't know us? But this is really a joyful people. Because in the early Christian community, that's what drew people to the early Christian church, was the tremendous joy that they had, again, in the, in the Paschal Mystery and in the Risen Lord. In terms of the... Uh, of the positive, you know, I just think that uh, the positive has just been, you know, the faith of the people and their endurance uh, in the face of these challenges and just getting to know various parts of our diocese, even though we're one faith, one baptism, and, you know, one community of faith as a diocese. You know, if I'm down in Brainerd, you know, there's an experience or a flavor of how we embrace our faith there. There's the, up on the range, there's that experience, you know, that's unique to that location uh, over in Squaw Lake or that north one over in that uh, part of our diocese, you know, up ashore. So it's been fun just to kind of get to know um, the various ways that we live and express our faith, even uh, geographically uh, within our own diocese, much less, you know, the whole Midwest. So, Bishop, in the last... 35, 40 seconds that we have. Maybe um, uh, speak about your uh, vision for um, the coming year. So I I think the vision for the coming year would be uh, for us to intensely discern what the Holy Spirit is calling us to his mission. Um, And then, you know, I think it's going to have something to do with the anointing of the Spirit, obviously the Eucharistic revival, you know, that's happening. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, how do we become missionary disciples going out to our neighborhoods, to our families, to bring them uh, to Jesus Christ and to kind of lay out a plan um, and for that mission and for that purpose. Thank you very much, Bishop. Uh, do you mind uh, if I ask you for our blessing before we go? No, on? I would love to. And so, loving and gracious God, uh, as we journey through these holy days of the Easter season, we just celebrate the new life that is ours in the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. And as we seek to grow closer to that Jesus during these 50 days of Easter, may we also find in that same Lord the life, the love, and the joy that can only be ours in the Savior who come to, came to be with us and in the Lord who continues to bless us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you all very thank much. You, thank, thank you very you. much, Bishop, for joining us. Yep, God bless. Blessings on the rest of the day. Yep, bye. Thank you. Very good. So um, uh, after the break, this short break, we're going to have straight talk. You're going to have your opportunity to ask any type of question you have under the sun to a priest in regards to theology, the modern world, what's going on, that right after this brief break. Stay with us. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 